This is Alex. And this is Mason. And this is The Overcompetitive Bystanders. And this is our show where we share our strong opinions about things we don't know anything about. One of us favors college, one of us favors NFL. Let's see how this goes. All right, so with the end of the season, thought it would be a good idea to go through, talk about some of the best poo-poo teams of the week. Ah, yeah. Um, And with those, decide an ultimate poo-poo team of the week. Um, um, some of these, I believe we called it the poo-poo team of the year. Yeah, poo-poo team of the this year. This is a I guess huge is honor. Give it the respect it deserves. Yes, and I will. This is not an honor. It's the, it's, yeah, the, it's the, honor it's the exact respect, opposite of an but, honor. Um, an important qualifier is none of these are poo-poo team of the year because of their whole year. Um, because there are a few that I thought about for the whole year, uh-huh. but I really did just think the best idea is just to. All of the past nominees and winners are entered in, and then using what we know throughout the whole season, decide which one was the poo-poo team of the year. I like that. I like that. Um, because who the, want, who just wants to hear about the worst team in the league? Yeah. Like, like Who wants to hear about the, the equivalent of the Browns every year? Yeah, we don't need to sit down and talk about New Mexico and like, all the New Mexico went through. Uh, shoot, I need, to, um, I need to update my joke. Um the Jets every year, not the Browns, unfortunately. Yeah, the Jets are. Yep, that's a pretty good, pretty good one there. Jets I feel and like it's also right the now. Lions. The Lions, Lions. Are pretty, pretty about there. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Lions are kind of rough right now. Matt Patricia, I'm like hot and cold on. I think I really like him as a person. I'm just not sure how good of a coach he's a good he is. DC. Yeah, I'd love him as a DC. I would. I would have loved if he got fired from the Lions and L.A. picked him up as the D.C. I would have celebrated. But, yeah. But. Um, so the the beautiful thing we had is early in the season, um, I guess I'm getting ahead of myself, but early in the season we had a really good flow of Poo Poo Team of the Week. Uh-huh. Um, so the first nominee for Poo Poo Team of the Year is Week 1 BYU losing to Utah. The original poo-poo team of the week, the one that started it all when Tyler Huntley called BYU, they so poo-poo. Um, Utah beat BYU 30-12, to 12, um, but important to note, Utah did take a knee on the three-yard line at the end of the game. So Yeah, Zach Wilson threw more touchdowns to the Utes than the Cougars that game. He's Hey, he grew up a Utah fan. He's just throwing... Throwing touchdowns to his favorite team. I He's mean, done it the last two games. Yeah, they only mentioned that once a game. Yeah. <laughs> and even in games that it's just BYU playing, they they always make sure to mention that too. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a strong contender. Um, the next one that I wanted to bring up was the following week when BYU beat Tennessee in Tennessee on one of the stupidest endings that there could possibly be. So dumb. Absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. That's um, one of the nominees for me for Poo Poo Team of the Year. Yeah, it's I feel like it's gotta be. It's an it's an absolutely just hideous, hideous loss. Yeah. It's just um, one you're gonna hate yourself for for the rest of your life. Oh yeah. It was <laughs> It was bad, especially with how like wide open the BYU player got at the end of the game. Yeah, like 
it was it was just sad. Um, so Tennessee, at that point, we transitive gave it to Tennessee, um, but we also figured out that the next week Tennessee was playing a uh, FCS team, and so they won, and then. It would have just stayed in FCS, so man, we, I we gave that up. I really, I really did plan on before this podcast looking and seeing where it would have ended up just for fun, mm-hmm. but I completely forgot. Maybe if I get bored, I'll, I'll tweet it. Yeah, I, I looked at it a little bit. It just got into the depths of like FCS. Oh, okay. It, it never really got further out because most of the FCS teams played their D, their like D two games before. Uh huh. And so, like, it wouldn't have even, like, dived into D2. It just kind of, like, fizzled out in FCS. Okay, so definitely not worth my time. Not, yeah, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say so. Um, the, the next week, so not all weeks have a poo-poo team of the week, but some do. Um, the next week is one of my personal favorites. Maryland, um, at this point, they were 2-0. and One of the weeks, they won, like, 79-0. to they were just murdering teams. And then they beat like Syracuse the next week, right? Like And they beat a ranked Syracuse. They climbed to twenty one in the rankings. They then had it where the students had to f- were had a hard time getting tickets to their to their next game because um, it was they only had ten thousand student seats and fifteen thousand students wanted those seats. So it's just an awesome situation where Maryland's doing great. They're doing awesome. They have a Temple team that's not very good coming to town. They should crush them. Excitement is everywhere. And all of a sudden, Temple beats ranked Maryland, and they shit in the bed. And it was just like just an absolute poo-poo performance. Yep. There was a blocked punt in there. Actually, I think there might have been two blocked punts. There was just some – no, sorry. There was one blocked punt, and then there was one punt that was just shanked to hell to the point where you thought, oh, somebody must have somebody got their got hand on, on it. it. No, it was just a very, very bad punt for the brand. Yep. So, yep. yeah, that was, oh, a, boy. that was a poo-poo team all, 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 all the way around. Okay, so the next week is, and I keep, I feel like every week they just get better. Um, This one has some historical impact that I feel like is great. So week four is when Arkansas lost to San Jose State in Arkansas. And to make it even better, at the end of the season, their quarterback, Nick Sarkle, transferred to San Jose State. Wait, did he yeah. really? I missed yes, that. Yes, he did. That's hilarious. Yep. So if you can't beat San Jose State, you join them. <laughs> That's oh, such a huge God. blow to Arkansas to lose somebody oh, to one of the gosh. worst teams in the Mountain West. Not was... because he wasn't getting playing time. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That, it's just so sad. Like, Sarkle threw five interceptions in that game. Yeah, that was bad. That was that was just ugly. And it wasn't even like one of those games where like San Jose State like barely pulled it out at the end. At halftime, San Jose State was up twenty four seven and then kinda coasted and at the game end of the game clinched it thirty one to twenty four with a minute left. But yeah, so I think 
the the Nick Circle transfer might be what makes this the best one. Yeah, that's pretty great. That is pretty great. <laughs> to the we, I would have called San Jose State a uh, a pretty good chance to get a poo poo team of the week at the beginning of the year just by how bad they are. Oh yeah, I would have expected San Jose State to be deep in the depths of poo poo. But not only do you lose to San Jose State, but then you lose your quarterback to San Jose mm-hmm. State. Yeah, it's rough. Um, the next game. Oh man, I keep forgetting how great these are. Was is the next when, one Nebraska? It is Nebraska. That's my favorite one. That's <laughs> my favorite Nebraska. one right there. So Nebraska I think it all went has, downhill from there. Nebraska has their red balloon tradition where <laughs> they don't release the uh, everybody in the stadium, 100,000 people, the third biggest city in Nebraska, holds a red balloon, and when they score their first touchdown, they let go. Well, the problem was they played Ohio State. And so they didn't score their first touchdown until the third quarter. And like in the second half, like in the second quarter and early in the third quarter, you just saw like little balloons flying up and you just saw these pissed off old men, just these white dudes, just pissed off as can be, just holding their red balloons. Oh, it was great. I didn't even watch that game, but just the spectacle in my head of 100,000 people standing around in a stadium holding red balloons. I realize not everyone there was a Nebraska fan, so it probably wasn't 100,000. But 100,000 people standing around a stadium holding red balloons for three quarters of the game. And then every once in a while, you just see somebody who gave up and the balloon flies away or somebody who accidentally let go and it flies away. And it'll finally then score in the third quarter. I, I say I wish so badly that they went to the end of the game scoreless. So at the end of the game, dead. That everybody's just carried, like holding their balloon like, what the f*** do I do with this? Do I let it go or do I just take it home with me until it dies? Yeah. Just like my hopes and dreams of this team being <laughs> good again. Like your hopes and dreams in Nebraska. Uh, Brolo lived there for, I mean, they were there for a couple years, three years. I yeah. wouldn't go back. It's yeah. cold as f- all the time, and there's yep. nothing to f- do in Nebraska. I have no idea why our buddy went there other than he spent time there beforehand. I don't know. It's the corn. You go for the corn. You go to husk. I mean, there's plenty of great corn around the nation that isn't <laughs> in Nebraska. Yeah. Um, so that's a strong candidate That's for that, poo-poo. It's going to be hard to beat that one. Yeah, that's that's a strong one. Uh, I I could barely breathe while you were recapping. No, oh, I could game. tell it was, was a good one. I lost it. Um, so the next the next week, I didn't. There weren't any that I felt were uh, quality enough, so skipped that week. Yeah. Um, I that. The following week, um, I, this was just because it was impactful. Uh, Georgia at number three lost at home to South Carolina in double overtime, and my favorite part of it was when the South Carolina fans were taking like parts of the bushes from the georgia stadium and georgia got all pissed about it and everybody was like it's what everyone does that's what everyone does at georgia is you take parts of the bushes when you upset them yeah it's what you do i mean maybe it's not the best thing but i mean it's what it is it was a bit pretty big choke by georgia oh it was bad like they should have lost that game in in regular time 
yeah yeah it was it was not a good good loss for them no they got lucky by a shanked kick after they shanked yeah. a kick earlier yeah no no, so, no. or uh, was it the other way around i know they who shanked the uh, kick first chicken or the egg i think they shanked it first because okay. i believe them missing is what clinched the loss i think in in double overtime south carolina made the field goal and then georgia missed and that's what ended the game okay but I don't want okay to so I, I i okay i think i remember what happened at the end of oh my god what's the word not regular time what do you call regulation it? regulation at the end of regulation mm-hmm. south carolina had a chance to kick a game-winning field goal but they missed sending it to overtime. In second overtime, Georgia got the ball. and or I mean, South Carolina started with the ball, kicked a field goal. Georgia went back, missed their field goal, losing the game. That's what happened. That's what it was. Okay. So I did remember the end of it correctly. I just didn't that's remember right. I mean, that's a pretty good poo-poo team of the week. It ain't no red balloon, but it's that's, not the a, red balloon. that's a pretty poo-poo yeah. team. Poo-poo uh, week. Yeah, it's it's a it's a poo-poo week, especially because that basically is what held them out of making the playoff. Yep. Because had they won that one, their loss to LSU is probably good enough being their only loss that they still make the playoff over Oklahoma and it probably makes the semifinal a little more entertaining. Except for that we watched the same game like two weeks earlier. Well, they probably would have switched it around a little bit. At that point, You're they right. might have I, I, Ohio State number one. And then we get Clemson, oh, yeah. LSU number three, and then Ohio State-Georgia at number four. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. So uh, thank uh, Will Muschamp for us getting to see Oklahoma in the uh, final, or in the semifinal. That's okay. I don't think either of them had a chance to beat Clemson or Ohio State or no. LSU. LSU. No. Um, so then the next week is a, a, a good one was Missouri, who was ranked, mm-hmm. was having one of their best years in a while, and then lost to Vanderbilt, who um, I guess the week before we technically gave them the poo poo team of the week for losing to UNLV. Yeah. But I still, I mean, time heals all wounds. We fixed that for Vandy and gave it to Georgia instead for the nomination for of the year. But it was pretty bad for a ranked Missouri team to lose to Vandy. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just, team is ass. yeah, it's, there's not much you can do. To, no. to feel good about that. No. I mean, <laughs> no, it's you, just bad. If, yeah, if you ever run into one of those players and they're being a dick, just be like, hey, you remember that time you guys lost to Vanderbilt? You guys lost to Vandy. How'd you lose to Vandy? <laughs> I don't respect you. The country. You go to Vandy and you can't score more than 14 points? Yeah. What are you guys doing? That's embarrassing. I wouldn't um, even. I would never tell somebody I played for Missouri again, just in hopes that I would never have to relive the horror of losing to Vandy. Um, an important one to note is we did. This is the same week that the Sooner Schooner crashed. 
okay. So that's an honorable mention there. Also, I like that in my notes, I just have a comment that says Joe Burrow's ass. <laughs> And we know this exactly what you're talking about. Yep, this is the week that he got tackled, and they just just full on double cheeked it right there. <laughs> full on moon the whole stadium. Yeah, I guess it was half the good. stadium, but I mean, Randy Moss got chewed out for fake mooning the stadium, and I still yeah. think it's funny. I still think it's funny that he fake mooned the stadium, but yeah. you know. So then the next week, I didn't have any that I felt qualified for poo poo team of the week but the following week had a really good one um so at this point um we all know that kansas has turned into a laughing <laughs> stock um but they started actually doing fairly well um it wasn't great but at least they were they were looking like they were going to do something they were three and five on the season and thinks, you know, maybe there's some optimism to beat their rival Kansas State. So it was actually their first sellout game in 10 years. First sellout since 2009. Wow. And what happens? They lose 38 to 10. <laughs> yeah, they got, to blown their they got blown out in both football and basketball. Yeah. And then in basketball, they had the fight, too. Yeah, and then they got their ass kicked in a fight. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so... That it was a great fight, was, by the way. It was a pretty... That was an entertaining it, it, fight. I, don't, I, I listened to, like, three or four different commentations of that fight, and they were oh, really? all entertaining. Yeah, I watched the clips of it, but that was... Yeah, that was a nasty fight. It was pretty sick. I just um, love that you just, you would just see, like, random people start, like, flying through. It's like, my one favorite coach... Photo. Go ahead. Yo, my favorite photo is the one of where the I think it's the Kansas player like lifts up the chair, and there's a photo of the whole stadium like reaching out, like no, don't do it, (laughs) don't do it, before they like somebody takes it away from him. Yeah. But just the renaissance of it, of just the whole stadium reaching for him, was just so beautiful. Yeah, it's great. That was just just made it so great. So good. Um, But yeah, so. The the only issue with this one is we already knew that Kansas was not great, so it kind of takes away from it. It's not like they were on a high. They just were not on a super low. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, giving Vandy the poo-poo team of the week. It's like yeah. you're already just – like it's really hard to – it's like, yeah, they're a team. Of course they're going to look like Yeah. But it's when the um, good teams like – the bed or do something hilariously awful yeah. or important sit in a stadium holding balloon for three yeah. quarters <laughs> important to note that the kansas the week before kansas almost beat a ranked texas right they became so that's why there was some excitement and then it was just like the next week of like no no you're not good go go back you're you're not you're not good to be fair i think you gave them poo poo team of the week i mean also because there wasn't an, another great candidate, but I think you gave Kansas poo team of the week that week because they didn't beat Texas the week before and you wanted that so badly. I didn't, but I almost did. It was, I, I have here that Texas nearly lost to Kansas, but ruined our dreams. So it wasn't quite poo-poo, but it was, 
it was right there by no, it. No, I know, but that's uh, that's what I'm saying. That's why you voted for Kansas to be the poo-poo team of the week next the next week. Yeah. Because you were still kind of collective about yeah, the last there. week. Yep. Yep. Um, and then the next week I didn't have any, and then the following week um, was when Baylor blew a 28-3 to lead over <laughs> Oklahoma and basically blew their shot at the playoff. I mean, had they won – the championship they might have still made it but i mean if they blowing go a 28 to 3 lead is just that alone is the poo poo right there yep. in an opportunity to to go to the playoff yeah. it would bad. i mean be honest it wouldn't have been as special if it had been 29 to 3 no it or like it wouldn't have mattered it, even if it was like a little like 31 to 3 or like 31 to 7 it was the twenty-eight to three that just makes it just chef's kiss perfect. Yeah, it was just beautiful. It was absolutely incredible. Yep, that would have been uh, that would have been nice. Yeah. Um, but then the next week, we have two poo-poo teams of the week. Um, one of them is Oregon for losing at Arizona State. Yep, and effectively knocking themselves out of the playoff because now we know had they won that one, they would have been in over Oklahoma. It would have been, that's it. Wouldn't have been close. So Arizona ruined the Pac-12 shot at the playoff. Yep. Arizona. (laughs) Worthless state. Just burn up and die. Yep. Um, There's not much to say about it just because it's so disappointing that they couldn't do it. It feels like they should have been able to do it. Yeah, without... Arizona State, man. Yeah, come on. It, it How do right you lose to point. Arizona State? I don't know. It was right there. They should have had it. Yeah. I mean, um, they should have had Auburn too, but yeah, they should have had Auburn too. Yep. Um. Oh yeah, I think I said earlier that they would like with that loss they would have gone undefeated, but no, they still had the loss to Auburn, but they would have been fine. They, they would have been, been in. Fine. Um, but then the other poo-poo team of the week is Miami, who that week lost in Miami. It was a neutral site, technically. It was in the, the Hard Rock Stadium to FIU, Florida International. Uh, and again, losing to a, um, a G5 team is, is not good. No. But... Yes, can still at least kind of look at it and be like, well, they didn't really blow it too bad, and you can you can rationalize a lot of it away, except for the fact that FIU had the lead the whole game. They dominated Miami. Yeah, this was one close. where FIU took their foot off the brake, and Miami almost came back, but in with. Two minutes left in the third quarter, FIU was up 16-0 yeah. and then ended up winning 30-24. to But one of, Miami got a touchdown with less than 30 seconds left right. to make it 30-24. to so Not really a chance for another one unless you get lucky on the onside yeah. kick. Yeah, at that point it was luck to come back and they didn't have the luck. Right. But it was beautiful the way that FIU did that. Um, and then the final poo poo team of the week, um, is 
in the conference championship weekend when Utah lost to Oregon and lost their shot at the playoff. And um, just looked like And just looked horrible. Yeah, didn't look like a team that was even competitive yeah. and like even belonged on that field. No. It was so strange because it really did feel like Utah had a shot at the playoff. And I still think had they won that game, they would have been in because I don't think Oklahoma was that strong of a candidate. No. So had they won, they would have been in. Yeah, um, sure. And they did. I, I honestly think they just looked ahead. They thought they were they would just coast by Oregon, who is a top ten team, and for some reason, they just weren't ready. And then they just the bed, and it was bad. Yep, it was real bad. Looked very similar to that USC game earlier that year. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was real bad. I just, I don't understand how you do that. I don't understand how you just not even show up, like to arguably the biggest game in program history. Yeah. And arguably the biggest game most of these players will be in. Yeah. Like, I, I just, I don't get it to just absolutely at the bat. It just doesn't make sense to me. Nope, it's um, so those are all of the poo poo teams of the week. Um, what do you think? I have to nominate Nebraska. I think it's between Nebraska and Arkansas. I think Arkansas losing to San Jose State at home and then, and then losing their starting quarterback to San Jose State is pretty bad. I think the Nebraska getting murdered at home with the Red Balloons is also pretty bad. It's it's between those two for me. It's pretty yeah. incredible. I, I would accept either one, but my nomination is definitely for Nebraska. I think Nebraska probably has to win. Yeah. Just just the visual <laughs> of the Nebraska Red Balloons. Yeah, just I'm going to Google it and see if I can find the... 100,000 Red Balloons just sitting there for three quarters. I'm going to see if I can find the videos of it uh, s- strolling by. Oh, yeah, and then it was funny because, like, Ohio State was able to troll them with, like, pictures and videos of it. Oh, because yeah. you know, the red balloon stuff, but uh, it was pretty great. It was pretty, pretty good. Oh yeah, I don't see any good videos of it. Mm, that's too bad. There's a lot of stuff about how. Uh... Oh, oh my gosh! How did I not know about this? How did I not know this? Uh, in 2017, Nebraska fans. We're playing so poorly, and we're getting obliterated by Ohio State so much that following a first down, the fans all let go of their red balloons. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Because Ohio State was up 35-0 to at halftime of that 2017 game. Oh, my God. I think at this point, you have to just be like, you got to be done. You can't do it anymore because no, I mean they probably shouldn't be doing it for environmental reasons anyways. But Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of people that have takes on that. Or they but... should at least not schedule Ohio State for that week. Yeah, stop playing Ohio State for it. That's yeah. the worst choice. Yeah. Cuz uh, they're so much that, better than you right now. That means that both times that Ohio State cuz you know, obviously 2018 they had off. Right. So 2017-2019 are the two years 
that they go, and both times they just murder them. That's so what it is. That's, let's hope for it. That's the difference between 2018 and 2019 and 2017. They didn't mm-hmm. get the spectacle of watching yep. 100,000 people standing in the stands. Actually, they were probably sitting at that point. Let's be honest. Yeah, a lot of sitting in the stands holding their red balloon for three quarters as just random balloons start to fly up and then they finally score. And you hear this utter sigh of relief from the crowd that they can finally get rid of these f***ing balloons. Yep. That's what boosted them to the playoffs. Unfortunately, it wasn't quite enough to overcome the robbery that happened in the in the semifinal, but mm-hmm. it was pretty damn close. Yeah. Yeah, what a beautiful, just beautiful poo-poo team of the year. And it really is a moment. And so the, it's the poo-poo moment of the year, but Absolutely. it's just wonderful. I love it. So that's really all I have to talk about. Tomorrow's National Signing Day, um, but due to early signing day, there's not much. I mean, there's a little bit of mystery around it. But, like, I believe, like, 70% of players are now signing on national, or on the early signing day. Oh, wow. um, and the rest of them are pretty much committed. So So I have a question, then. It, it's not as relevant now. But how do you feel about all of these players that commit to a school and then six months later end up committing to a different school? Um, depends on how old they are. Um. I mean, if they are a junior or younger, I don't care at all. That's just part of the territory. Um, and if they're a senior, they, you know, if it's the whole idea of, like, they commit to one school in, in May, and then right before early signing day, they flip to a different school, um, it's tough to say. In general, I, I don't love it. Mostly because I wish that they would have earlier just said, like, I'm not as committed. Like, I'm dropping my commitment. I'm reopening my stuff. Instead of it just being like, I've changed. Um, but at the same time, like, I I don't care if they go somewhere else. They should do what's best for them. It's the whole idea of, like, I mean, let's say a player commits to Utah State, looks good, and then – you know, they've been committed to Utah State for two years because Utah State got on them early. Utah comes around, they turn them down. BYU comes around, they turn them down. But then all of a sudden, like, Bama comes around and they're like, yep, no, I'm going to flip. And it's like a week before signing day. It's like, well, that sucks, but yeah. you, you just live with it. So I guess I should have clarified. I did only mean the seniors who were committing. Yeah. Um, I just think it's silly to commit that early. Like I, I think like the idea. I like it. Kind of makes sense once athletes can get paid, mm-hmm. so you can start getting those deals under wraps. Stuff but, up, yeah. but right now, just don't commit to anybody until you're sure. It's the problem is is the coaches make them. The coaches basically will say stuff like. You're, you know, we have an offer for you, and if you don't give us a commitment in the next like three weeks, then we're pulling the offer. Well, one, that's bullshit from the coach, but that's also re- like you're just asking it's, for student for people to decommit. That's what you. Yep. 
It's like, super you, real. Never, the same no. thing that they do. That's stupid. They do, they do it with, uh, you're not, like, once you've committed, you can't visit other schools. Right. That's a big one. Is If you're committed to Utah State and then they find out that you went and visited BYU, a lot of times they'll pull your offer. Um, and it's scary because these players don't want to go visit BYU because they don't know that BYU is even going to offer them. Right. BYU doesn't want to offer them yet because they don't know if they're likely to flip. So why focus on the kid who's already committed? And so it's a technique of keeping your recruits. But like you said, if the kid calls their bluff, then well, that sucks to be Gary Anderson and say something like that and get burned and find out that you lost your commit because you were just being an ass. Yeah. And so it's stuff like that. Sometimes those flip and we don't really hear about it. We just know like, oh, he, he went to BYU or, he, you know, I'm using those schools just because that's the ones we generally talk about. But right. um, yeah, like if a player flips, it's hard to know why. But I generally look at him like, well, unless there's a, a good like undercover reason, I would just say commit when you're when you've decided this is what you want to do. That's that's what I'm saying. One I completely understand at any point if you committed to Utah State and then a, mm-hmm. like a top SEC team, Big Ten, Big Twelve or yeah, Big Twelve, you know, any of those yeah, teams. Big 10, Big 12, yeah. I completely understand if you decommit and go to one of those teams. That that completely makes sense to me. It's the people who commit to, let's say, Georgia, and then all of a sudden, like a week before sign or like on signing day, they all of a sudden flip and are going to, let's just say, Oklahoma or Ohio State. You know, something like that, where it's like it's a relatively lateral move. I mean, in that. In that specific scenario, sure, you're getting out of the SEC, which might give you better chances, but mm-hmm. like that's just one example. Like I just, I don't know. I that's what I'm saying. I think you should commit when you're ready. But if coaches are forcing you to commit, mm-hmm. I get it. That makes sense. Like there's no reason to like, oh. like at a certain point you have to bet on yourself, but you also have to be honest with yourself. If oh you. You might be good enough to be on a better team, but if you haven't shown and proven to teams that hey, I'm better than Ohio or Utah State, mm-hmm. like you should take the offer at Utah State, prove it at Utah State, and then transfer. Yeah, but but I, I don't know. the the big thing is is a lot of those players that haven't proved it yet. That's what Utah State and the small schools benefit from. Right, is you don't offer them you know, during their senior year, you offer these guys when they're sophomores and then you turn around and say, we've trust, you know, we've believed in you since, since day one, Ohio state didn't trust you, you know, and then you can turn around and say, you know, you'll start here. We, you know, we're, you have that relationship that you try and lean on. And so that's how you get the commit early. But then once, you know, once they're seniors and the schools that can come and snipe, look at it and say, okay, who do we really want? Let's go grab who we like. And right. at that point, the Utah States of the world just have to hope that they can hold on to them. Yeah. So I it makes it tough. Um, so before we get started, kind of want to talk about my favorite tweet pre-Super Bowl. Um, okay. Somebody tweeted um, – 
Breaking news. Garoppolo is going to honor Kobe Bryant by only throwing eight passes for 24 yards in the Super Bowl. I like that one. That was my that favorite. That was a good one. That was great. Um, the Chiefs obviously did end up winning 31-20. to 20. I'm going to yep. assume anybody who cares about football watched that game, so I'm not going to actually yep. like recap any of that game other yep. than when it's necessary. Um, I felt like for Garoppolo outplayed Mahomes for two and a half quarters of that game. That's exactly how I felt too. It was when the Niners were up 20 to 10, I was sitting there and I was like prepping the take to like talk with you about of like what happened to Mahomes and why did Garoppolo play so well? Like, I mean, not that Garoppolo is bad, but Garoppolo looked much better than Mahomes up till the fourth quarter. Yeah. I, I think Mahomes had that first drive at the beginning of the game where he looked hot and then like his runs, I don't know if you remember the runs at the end, but he like scrambled for like 15 yards and like ran into a defender to the point where it forced a fumble um, to get the first down. And I don't remember if it was like, the very next play, but they ended up scoring on like, they ran an the option a few times this this year, which I love the op- yeah. option. That's one of the one plays I always wanted to come to the NFL. Uh-huh. Um, but Mahomes ended up keeping that one, even though he could have easily pitched to Damian Williams, and I think he had the corner anyways. He knew if he held onto the ball, he could get in the end zone. So he held on the ball, yep. took a hit as he was going into the end zone, but he got it in. We got it. Got yep. up, did his little strongman um, pose, and walked off mm. the field. After he did that, Garoppolo looked like the better quarterback until the like ten minutes were left in the fourth quarter. Um, but when it mattered most in the fourth quarter, Jimmy G went three for eleven for only thirty six yards. He had one interception, and then he took a sack on fourth down when he really couldn't. Um, yeah, and then on that, that was the intentional grounding one, right? Yeah, they Did didn't he... call it intentional grounding. He was in the grass. They called him down. Oh, okay. Um, but so I guess I should back up. So on second down, they had marched. They had started off the drive, and they got a huge run by Mostert. Um, I don't remember. First down, he he just gets incomplete, or they run and get zero yards. I don't remember. Second, second and ten, he misses a wide open Kittle um, because there's pressure coming. Um, misses Kittle. Um, throws away. Very next play, he missed a wide-open Sanders running into the end zone by, like, three yards. Yeah. Um, and then on that fourth down, he took that sack, which basically ended the game for them. Um, I was texting Brolo during this game. I had, I texted him at the very beginning of this game. Damian <laughs> Williams, playoff warrior. Damian Williams, during the regular season, not great. He was outplayed by McCoy almost every single game. In the playoffs, he has been amazing. Yeah. In the Super Bowl, for three quarters and one play in the fourth quarter, he deserved MVP on his team. Yeah. I... I almost wanted him to get MVP over Mahomes. I did it, too, but I, I, I felt like he had better. But I also got the idea of once Mahomes started going, he showed that he is the most valuable yeah. player. So when Mahomes was on, they scored, and when he wasn't, they didn't. 
Yeah. That's the most yeah. valuable player. Yep. Like, but other Damian Williams, he he had he had 17 carries, 104 yards, nothing mm-hmm. special, and then only four catches for 29 yards. But mm-hmm. on that huge throw down the field to Tyreek to score that first touchdown uh, to go up or to bring it to 17 to 20, Damian Williams picked up a huge block. I don't remember if it was on – I think it was on Buckner. But he made mm-hmm. up a huge block that let Mahomes get that ball away. And that was probably Mahomes' best play of the, the, the game. Was um, that the fourth down? No. Oh, okay. Um, it was third down. It was like third and 15, though. Okay. Uh, and he made like a 44-yard throw to Tyreek. Um but yeah, Damian Williams was amazing. Um, if it wasn't for Patrick Mahomes, he was the MVP for the Chiefs. Um, on the other side, Nick Bosa is Aaron Donald level. He was killing it. He is a rookie, and yeah. he was shredding a Chiefs offen- or offensive line that's pretty dang good. They haven't been yeah. pushed around like that all year. And Nick Bosa slaughtered them for three quarters. Unfortunately, I don't know if they picked something up or they changed their game plan or what they did. But in the fourth the fourth quarter, Nick Bosa was relatively quiet. Yeah. I can't find this stat to verify that I heard it right. But the stat I heard was that on 31% of plays that Nick Bosa played, he had a pressure, a hit, or a sack. Hmm. That's incredible. 31%. A third of the plays he was in some way affecting the quarterback. Mm-hmm. That's, on the, that's, a, that's crazy. Yeah. He's amazing. It's a rookie year. I cannot wait to watch him for the rest of the year. I mean, the rest of his career. Um. He was the MVP for San Francisco for me, hands down. Um, Buck, yeah, I agree with that. Buckner did pretty great. He was he was good on the other end. He was very good compliment to Nick Bosa, but Bosa shredded that offensive line, and it wasn't even close. Um, yeah. On the offensive side for San Francisco, who would you have given the MVP to, assuming they, like, assuming they were able to just coast off that twenty to ten win, and there was no major plays after that. I mean, I feel like it'd have to be Garoppolo because their running game was doing okay, but I feel like it was the fact that Garoppolo was playing well and was passing the ball a lot was what was giving him the win. I mean, I'm I not can saying see that the argument. I, I don't think it's. But... I don't think it's a bad argument. Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel is my my nominee for San Francisco okay. offensive player. Uh, okay. He had two huge runs that, I mean, it was nothing special to, to call this, but like I said last week, watch for it. He's going to have a 30-yard run that, that the Chiefs aren't – and sure enough, he had a 32-yard run this game. Um, mm-hmm. He was amazing as a receiver. He was amazing as a run. He was probably – I think he kept a lot of drives alive. Um, mm-hmm. Him and – Kittle is good too, and Garoppolo obviously as the quarterback 
deserved it more than Kittle, but I just thought Debo Samuel was amazing. He's also a rookie. Yeah. Like, this San Francisco team is going to probably be good for a long time. They've done well. Lynch um, has done a good job of building a team. Yeah. The one question that we didn't think we'd be asking at this game, but we're doing it the same thing as we did last year, did Kyle Shanahan outplay himself in this game? Oh. Kyle Shanahan, I feel like we there's just no reason to trust Kyle Shanahan with play calling ever again. Um, so I talked to you a little bit about this, but they so with ten minutes left in the game, and to clarify, this is this is that San Francisco just got the ball back. They're up twenty to ten, right around yep. where this ten minutes is. Yep. So 10 minutes left in the game, the Niners up 20 to 10, ran 12 pass plays and two rushing plays. One of those rushing plays was the first play of the drive and was most yep. running for 17 yards. Yep. Come on, man. Your run yep. has been what has won you most of the game this year. I would understand if the Chiefs were selling out for the run, and they kind of were. Yeah. But it's not like Garoppolo was eating them alive. I already gave you the stats. He was three for eleven for thirty-six yards, and like your run was successful all game. At this yep. point, you're ahead. You just need to run the run the damn out. ball. Yeah. Give it's, it back to him with three minutes left. That's how you beat the Chiefs. You keep Mahomes on the sideline. Yep. Exactly. You got to put so up in, a, a, a lot of points, and you got to keep Mahomes on the sideline. Yep. So in these 10 minutes, the Chiefs had the ball for two and a half minutes longer than the Niners did and put up 21 points to zero. At, in a time when San Francisco should, at the minimum, win the time of possession, they couldn't even do that. And it would be different if they were running the ball bad. Like if they ran yeah. the ball on first down and they got zero yards, sure. You go to a couple passes in a row, and then maybe on first down you go for play action or something like that. Mm -hmm. I get if that. But their first run of the drive was 17 yards, and they didn't run again for like seven or eight plays. Yeah. Um, but even before that, we were calling in Kyle Shanahan's judgment because they stopped the Chiefs at the end of the half with a minute and 47 seconds on the clock. With three timeouts, they were going to get the ball around their 20 somewhere. Mm -hmm. Didn't call the timeout. Okay, sure. I can maybe kind of sort of see the argument where mm -hmm. you're like, I'd rather have the three timeouts on offense. But if you do that, you're going to have to take some shots downfield and you're going to have to hurry up and you're going to have to you're going to have to call some, some ballsy plays. Yeah. Instead, he didn't call the timeout, basically ran out the clock, and then kneeled the ball after. We do need to talk about that offensive pass interference for a minute. I okay. do 100% believe that's pass, offensive pass interference, but I also thought that the Kyle Rudolph push-off at the end of the Saints game was 100% an offensive pass interference. Now, only that, throughout this whole entire game, they let him play. They called nine penalties. 
most of those were false starts and offsides. I don't remember them calling a single hold. They might have called one, but I guarantee Nick Bosa was held a couple times, and I guarantee Frank Clark or someone by the Chiefs was held a couple times. It, it happens. You get held on every play. Yeah. They were letting them play. With how they were calling this game, I didn't think they were going to call that play. I 100% agree that it's offensive pass interference. He fully extends his arm, pushes the player away, and gains separation through his movement. That's offensive pass interference, clear as day. But with how they were calling the game, I don't know. I just thought it was a little bit of a soft call for how they were calling the rest of the game. Um, But what did you think? I don't know. I felt like offensive pass interference for me is, is a tough one. Because a lot of times I do feel like when even if there is clearance of, of a little bit of push off, it's just that there's so much hand fighting every game. There's so much hand fighting every play. I'm I don't know. It, it it changes every play, but a lot of times I feel like with those type of things, let the players play, let it kind of work. If it's not blatant, you know, grabbing and and stuff like that, I, I feel like most of the time it's pretty subdued and especially there i didn't feel like it was that bad no so I mean, you just kind of live with it it was one of those things where no one was calling for pass interference on the first when when we watched it live yeah exactly it wasn't until they slowed down you're like oh yeah he did push off oh yeah probably should call that yeah but they like you said there's hand fighting every single play especially with tight ends that's kind of how they play yeah like they play i they're mean and there's some guys. there's the defensive backs that play like that too like yeah. Ramsey is pretty handsy when he plays defense. Yeah. Um, so I agree. They were letting him play all game. I think you keep the flag in your, your holster on that one. But I don't know, man. They shouldn't. I don't know. I, I just up until that point, I thought they had just terrible decision making. And the fact that that play existed no matter that it got called back or not, shows that, hey, you can march down the field with a minute 47 and two timeouts. Call yep. the damn timeout. Yep. I don't know. I just... <sighs> Talking of a coach that did excel in this game, though. Well, actually, there's two coaches, but I'll get to Andy Reid later. Eric Benemy? Spagnolo. Oh, Spagnuolo, okay. The San Francisco did get 141 rushing yards, which for a normal team is a lot. But to hold Uh the 49ers to 141 rushing yards when Debo Samuel got 52 of them. Yeah. And for most of the year, this was how they won. Yeah. That's pretty great. Okay. That's not a horrible performance. It's pretty good. Yeah. Like, it's the um, Brett Coleman. I don't know if you've heard of him, but he's one of my favorite like analysts I watch on YouTube. He had predicted San Francisco to win because he thought they were going to take advantage of the Chiefs' inability to cover the the edge and get mm-hmm. these these plays that like Debo Samuel ate up. But they barely yeah. called those plays. They barely ran in general. Um, but. I don't know. This defense stepped up. Chris Jones had two and a half deflections, and one of those was huge. Um, yeah. 
and Tyron Matthews, there was a like throughout the the, the, the first first, second and third quarter, there was something like five runs that beat everybody else besides Tyron Matthew. And you would have expected one of those runs to get past him, but every single time Tyron Matthews in the correct spot made the tackle or at least stopped the player long enough that his team could catch up and make the tackle for him. Like, yeah. he was amazing against the run. Maybe not so much in like holding the or getting tackles for loss, but in every like every single game this year, we've seen Mostert or not every single, but it feels like every single game for the past six games, we've seen Mostert pull like a seventy-one yarder. Yeah, he didn't have that this game because of Tyron Matthews. Yeah, or Matthew. Um, he was the actually. Honey Honey Badger don't give no f-s. Um He was selected as the Chiefs MVP. I believe that's for the year. Um, cool. like the, 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 team, the MVP. team MVP. Cool. Um, he was spectacular in this game. He was good in coverage. Um, I just really liked how he played the run. Um, Bashad Breland made quite a few plays. I didn't watch him closely enough, like when he wasn't making plays, to see if he was getting torched. So I don't want to go out on a limb and say he did great. But I don't remember him getting torched. Um, and he made a f- few big plays on defense and a- quite a few tackles. So he was good. Fuller played well and made a huge interception. Um, mm-hmm. Richard Sherman, though. He struggled. He was bad. Yeah, he not was good. targeted five times. They caught five catches. And yeah. at the end of the game, he was torched by Sammy Watkins, which I realize Sammy Watkins is kind of a quick player, but you can't get torched that bad by t- Sammy Watkins. Um, to be fair, they did throw Richard Sherman out on the island quite a few times. He was out by himself. Troy Aikman made it very clear that uh, they were letting him be. Um, but he just didn't play the kind of game we've seen from him. Um, kind of disappointing. I uh, DT had a chance for a touchdown in this game. <sighs> so close. Uh, they gave so him the ball close. at the one yard line. I thought he had it, um, but they barely held him. He didn't touch the ball again after that. Well, um, he did. He had the pass to Oh, him. you're right. You're right. I forgot about the pass. But, I mean, so it was a drop, but it also he, – he got lit up too. I don't know if he would have kept it, but yeah. he dropped it before he got hit too. Yeah, but those are kind of the ones where I'm like, I'd rather you drop that and we not get the five-yard gain or however much it was yeah. than you get lit up and they call it a fumble and we turn over the ball. So yep. I think they're actually coached like that. I've seen Todd Gurley do that a few times. Um, All right. Whether – like – yeah, so like whether it is to save the big hit or um, whether it is just them doing that, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But but yeah. Um, <sighs> Got to talk about Daniel Sorensen and Fred Warner, both BYU players in this game. Warner was impact. the one who got the – was it a pick or a – Yeah, he got a pick. Okay. I was, I was like, he got a turnover. It was, it was a good pick too. Like it wasn't yeah. like the other pick Mahomes threw, it went through one of his receiver's hands and it like flipped up and the other guy caught it. It was like a gimme the, interception. The, the tip play, yeah. Yeah. Fred Warner actually made a play on the ball and you know, yeah. good for him. 
What do you think Mahomes' stat or, or record is when trailing by double digits? By double digits? Yeah. Well, um, I know that he has three wins in the playoffs this year. Yep. Um, and I think he had at least one more in the regular season. Um, I'm going to say 50%. I I don't have the stats for last year, um, but this year he's five and zero when trailing by double digits. Oh my gosh! In his career, Kurt Warner was two and forty four when trailing oh by double digits. So That's incredible. They just I just want to recap the Chiefs' amazing run to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. So in the divisional round. They go down 24 to 0 to the Texans and went on a 51 and 7 run to win that game. Mm-hmm. Then they go to the AFC Championship game where they were down 10 to 0 to the Titans and went on a 35 and 7 run to win the game. In the Super Bowl, they go down 20 to 10 and went on a 21 and 0 run in the last nine minutes of the game. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Yeah. Like, I, I just don't think there's any team we've seen. Like, I don't know what it is they're doing. I don't know if it's Andy Reid is just a God and is making these like, <laughs> next level adjustments mid game. And all of a sudden they're just figuring teams out mid game. No one is mid. Yeah. Or if it's just like a momentum thing where they need momentum to, to, it's, and so when they're in the rhythm, they're really good. And when they're not, they're not. And so it kind of takes a minute to get that rhythm going. That's kind of how I feel. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, like, a, that's a very legit thing. And, and, and But it also means that Mahomes just has that clinch factor, that Michael Jordan factor. Like, that's yeah, who I, mean, I compare to Michael Jordan, not, not Deshaun Watson. Yeah. It's Patrick I mean, Mahomes. The idea that no matter how much you're behind, it doesn't matter. You know Mahomes is playing. You're not safe. Yep. Like, that's that's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's I, amazing. I think, personally, I think it's coaching, but not necessarily mid-game adjustments. Mm-hmm. But I think it's setting things up for the for the end of the game. It's calling the plays in the first quarter, so that way... And calling thing, calling way plays throughout the season to set things up for that later in the game when you need it. Okay. Um, like one of the examples, oh, I'm trying to think of who it was. Shoot, I hate that I can't think of him. Uh, Ed Reed, that's who it is. Um, so Ed Reed apparently one time talked about how when he knew that later in the season they were going to play the they were going to play the the Colts. Uh-huh. So throughout the rest of the season leading up to that, whenever he would run a particular coverage, he would run it just a little bit wrong, but he'd run it the same amount wrong every single time throughout the season. Uh-huh. That way in like week nine or 10, when he played Peyton, he knew that Peyton would catch that on film. Uh-huh. And so when he ran that, when they ran that and Peyton tried to know this is how he screws up, this is how I take advantage. Ed Reed then turned it around and got a pick on the play oh, nice. because he knew that Peyton would know about his mistake that was so small that no one else caught it. 
but it was on purpose so that way he could trick Peyton. That's amazing. Ed Reed is amazing. It's those little things that I'm like, obviously I don't think everything in the season you build of like, I'm going to run this play wrong, that way in the Super Bowl I can run this play. Well, and it's not like they're running plays wrong, but it's like, it's why the Rams offense was so great. They have a they run eleven personnel ninety nine percent of the time, so every single play looks almost identical except for where the wide receivers are, and those can be moved pre snap. Yep. So every single play looks the same, and so every, so if every time on third and nine you run this specific play, then yep. when you're in third and nine in this playoff game or this must win situation, you line up the same and make it look like the play, but you do something slightly different to catch the defense off guard. So, so I can see I, that. I think that's a big part of it. I think there's some part of that. I think they do run the same packages, but with different plays. Yeah. Um, I did notice a couple, but I I don't know that there's something when you go down twenty four to zero and you go on a fifty one and seven run. Yeah. Like there's something special going on there. Um. But super, super, super excited for the Chiefs that they've won. I think it's so funny. They won the first and the third Super Bowl and then didn't win one for another 50 years. Um, but, you know. Whoa, 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 wait. The first Super Bowl? All right, sorry. I think they played in the first one and then won I the third say, one. Yeah, the Niners won, or the Packers won the first Super yeah, Bowl you're right. with yeah, Bart right. Starr. You're right. I, I realized that as I said it, but I was just hoping you wouldn't catch it. No, I didn't always feel catch like that. Correcting myself, so. But yeah, they they played in the first, won the third, and so you're kind of thinking, oh, we'll be back soon. Fifty years. Yep. It's it's funny. So like, I I always go back to, it's got to be 2015 or 2016. I'm watching a Chiefs game with Brolo and his brother. Mm-hmm. And me and his brother, not like really an argument, but like kind of have this disagreement over which was worse to have the um, Chiefs who hadn't at that point hadn't won a playoff game in like 20 years, mm-hmm. but they had been a decent team and had been to the playoffs a few times in that span or be a Rams fan who had at that point eight seasons in a row or eight losing seasons in a row and hadn't have a playoff game in like ten or fifteen years, like to now where we played in the Super Bowl last year, and yeah, we might have the bed, but we were there and we were the better, whatever. And then the Chiefs are there this year. It's just it's just crazy how things. Work That's out. wild that it worked out like that. Yeah. So yeah, so my brother's is an, my brother is an Eagles fan. They uh-huh. they they won the year before, then the Rams, then the Chiefs. I'm calling the Dolphins next year for Tom. <laughs> that might be. That would be quite um, the uh, I give quite the, the story though. I give Miami at least three years before they're in the Super Bowl. But, uh, yeah, at least three years before yeah. they're in the Super Bowl. I think I agree with that. Well, so I'll take the over there. Yep. I don't know if you heard the rumors, but. There's rumors that Tom Brady was going to the Dolphins. Uh, I mean, maybe, but the, so, I don't think that necessarily makes them a playoff contender. When, no, we saw it this doesn't. year that, yeah, <laughs> like he's not going to have a stellar. Like 
honestly, the reason I would want Tom Brady next year is not because I think he's going to be a great quarterback and lead us to a Super Bowl. I want Tom Brady next year so that when I draft a quarterback next year, I have the best quarterback in the history of the game to learn mm-hmm. under. Touch him up, yep. Um, but who knows? Um, but from what I understand, that was when they thought that the Miami's owner was going to sell the team, and then he just came out during the Super Bowl and said, I'm not selling the team until I die. And so that's unlikely. Love hearing that. Yep. So who knows where Tom Brady's going to end up? The, the two best options I've heard are the Colts and the Chargers. At the yeah, I think either of those are, are valid. Yeah, like both of those teams already have very talented rosters. Like mm-hmm. you really are only short a quarterback. I mean, in a few smaller roles, but yeah. other than that, like your defense – your defense is good. Your offensive line is pretty good, or to the Colts is really good. And then you have some skill players, and you can draft some next year. And then you're both looking to draft a quarterback. And you're not a top pick, so you're not getting somebody who's going to be starting right away. Mm-hmm. So I think both of those are great options for Tom Brady. He also shouldn't get take a team-friendly I, – I don't think he should take a team-friendly deal. Oh, he should no, just get no. paid a- ton of money to get play paid, for a year because yeah. i feel like he's taken pretty team friendly deals yeah that's why how, that's the secret how the patriots have been so good is they've had yeah. the best quarterback in the game getting paid less than the you know you know like yeah. the like an average quarterback or yep. slightly above average quarterback yep. so you can afford better players in other positions but you know, whatever. The exact whatever. opposite of the Jared Goff situation right now. Yeah. Um, but I actually was going to talk about that, so we're going to talk about that now. Um, so the uh, a site called Ramblin' Fan, um, is a Rams site, fan site, obviously, um, produced an article about the Rams cap space, quote-unquote, hell, and how they'd fix it. Um. So right now, it's projected that the Rams have about $14 million in cap space. Um, so they would do the following moves. They would trade away Rob Havenstein, who is our right tackle. He looked very lackluster for, throughout the year. And Bobby Edwards, who um, took over for him when he was injured, looked very good. Um, so trade Robin Havenstein. He's a pretty big hit. This one, next one makes me sad, but I think it is the right move. We got to cut Eric Weddle. Um, he is a very experienced and great veteran player, and it was amazing having him call the plays on the defense. Um, he just has so much experience. But at the same time, he's a huge cap hit. And we have John Johnson and Taylor Rapp. We're both <laughs> amazing safeties. Um, Taylor Rapp had an amazing rookie year. I'm so stoked that he's playing to the level I thought he would. Um, and then John Johnson was already one of the best safeties in the league, even if people aren't talking about him yet. Um, he's just amazing. I love John Johnson. Um, I wish he hadn't. I think he tore his ACL is what he did. Um, so he's out for the rest of the season. He'll be back next year. I'm really stoked. Um, we'll have um, the next move is extending Jalen Ramsey. 
Um, so they have him at about $16.8 million a year, but through contract uh, trickery and stuff, they think the cap hit will only be $7 million a year. Okay. Um, and then they estimate that they can add $54 million through restructuring deals. Holy cow. I don't know about that stuff. Like, I just... That's not something I know about. Like the, 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 yeah, the salary stuff is weird for me. Yeah, like I know what the salary cap is and like generally what, but I don't know how they quite, how they get $54 million from restructuring deals. They say it's possible, so I'm hoping they're right. Um, if anybody can do it, Les Schneed can do it. I, and Les Schneed I trust. Um, the other question, Andrew Whitworth looked like he's going to resign for one final mm-hmm. year. From what I understand, he only wants to play for the Rams. Um, I think he's going to take a very team-friendly deal um, for his last year. He is getting – he's 38 now, I think, maybe 39. Um, he's old, but he's still playing well. And he – so I want him back if we can. It, it kind of buys us one more year that we can fill other spots before we have to fill left tackle. Um, or at least draft players and have them play behind Whitworth for a year before we have to play them. Um, but, but yeah, I I don't know that we get that much money, but I do think we will have some money to move around. We will get Jalen extended. We, mm-hmm. w- I, I really hope we keep Corey Littleton. He's the only free agent this year that I will be like devastated if we lose. Um, mm-hmm. he is going to demand a lot of money because he's that good. Um, but, but in this scenario where we have $81 million in cap space, I think you pay him that. Um, mm-hmm. I just think he's one of the best linebackers in the game right now, if not the best, um, mm-hmm. with some of the other players getting older. Um, but other than that, that's a lot of money to be able to go out and sign people everybody wants to come to LA. So like it's just a free agent hotspot. So we're going to get players who want to come here. I really hope like there's, there's players like I don't want OBJ. I think he's an amazing player. I don't think he's worth the trouble. Yeah. I'm Um, starting to get to the same point too. Like, I don't know. I, he hasn't, he, he didn't rev make Baker Mayfield look like a God. Like everyone thought he was going to do preseason. Oh, yeah, no. Like he regressed. He looked when they heavily targeted. Um, holy crap! Landry? No. OBJ. Yeah, I forgot OBJ. Oh, when that's they, the name you forgot. Yeah, yeah. As we were talking about him, I completely could not think of the word OBJ. Um, when they heavily targeted OBJ, Baker Mayfield's quarterback rating plummeted like it was awful like the games where he didn't target obj were some of his best games um so i don't know exactly i think we need to get a defensive end but i don't think it's going to be fowler i think there's a lot of more cheaper options that we can make look good like we got fowler on a relatively cheap deal for the last year um we won't get him for the same amount um, Aaron Donald made him look too good. Um, so find a defensive end. Either I really hope keep Corey Littleton, but at the very least 
replace him. Um, I don't. I like our quarter, our cornerback situation. Like we have Ramsey, we have Troy Hill, who I think is amazing. Oh shoot, I think Troy Hill is actually a free agent. So that's why people are saying we should. We need to figure out. So I think we re-signed Troy Hill. I think he's great. I think he's amazing. We do have uh, Devin. Devin Long. Is that the Michigan cornerback? Is that Long? Uh, I don't think so. I don't know. I don't know who he is. David Long. Is it David Long? Yeah, so we do have David Long, who's a cornerback who we drafted this year out of Michigan. Um, he didn't play too many snaps this year, but when he played, he looked great. Like He looked like he could start in the NFL. So, like, I think – so assuming we have Ramsey, Troy Hill, and David Long, I think we're fine. People – I don't care if we lose, trade Roby Coleman. I really don't think he's that good. I'm, I keep being t- told he's really good, and then I keep seeing him get burned. So I don't really like Roby Coleman. I really haven't liked him since the NFC Championship game. Um but I, I don't know. I th- I think the Rams are in a good spot. The, the 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 hard thing is that we're in such a tough conference. We had the only conference with three teams to finish with a winning record, um, and the fourth place team was an Arizona Cardinals team who's only going to get better. Yep. Like the San Francisco's going to be good still. Gonna Seattle's be good while, like always going to be a threat while Russell Wilson's at quarterback. Like, just it. It sucks sometimes. It makes that uh, that shot at the Super Bowl hurt a little bit more, doesn't it? Yeah, because it's going to be a lot harder to get back now. We don't. We don't have two teams that are just shitting the bed at the bottom of the conference, giving us three or four wins a year. Like they're going to be tough battles every single game. Granted, I mean, it's not like they were easy, like, gimme wins before, but we did beat them in a week 17 where we sat everybody. And, uh, yeah. But, you know, what can you do? So the only other thing I really wanted to talk about is Dak Prescott still doesn't have a contract. Oh, really? Yeah. He never got a contract all year. Um, I like that. It doesn't look like they're close to getting a contract either Hmm. at this point it looks like he's getting franchise tagged um to be fair though apparently i can't believe this number i tried to like this number doesn't seem right to me Mm -hmm. but apparently dak's franchise tag is 33 million dollars a year that's three more that's three million more than i'd pay him i think he's a 30 million dollar a year quarterback that's with, yeah. with the current market, I, I think he's a little bit less than that. But with the current market, I think he's a $30 million a year quarterback. Mm-hmm. In that Philadelphia game where it was a win and you're into the playoffs, he had the better offensive line, the better wide receivers by far, mm-hmm. and the much better defense, and he could not score a touchdown. He could not win that game. Couldn't Carson Wentz yeah. had a bunch of practice squad players on his team. <laughs> And he lit him up for 320 yards. Yeah. Like, 
Wentz was worth every penny of his contract. Unless they pay Dak thirty million or less, he's gonna be overpaid. That's just it. He's just he's a average, slightly better than average quarterback where he's not gonna lose you the game. And I just mm-hmm. I don't know. I I I pay him thirty million a year. I don't think he takes thirty million dollars a year. And I I don't know. We'll see what they what they end up doing, but. I I think he gets overpaid and hopefully it hurts the Cowboys because it's definitely hurting the Rams right now. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, uh, oh yeah, we got a little bit of time. Yeah, so um, really quickly, I I saw a YouTube video. I didn't actually watch it, but the title was Five Rule Changes to Make the NFL Better." Um, okay. The one rule change that I really want, other than a sky judge, oh yeah, that's that's a that's a big one. Is actually very similar to what they did in the Pro Bowl, um, which was get rid of kickoffs. That's um, exactly the rule I was going to bring up. Seriously? Yep, that's the one I've I've been wanting that to change in college bat or college football in the NFL for a while. That's yep. hilarious. We obviously didn't plan that. We didn't yep. even like really plan the segment. I just saw it and thought about it. No, you saw it and then said, "Think of any rules. Yeah. Like if you could change a rule, what would it be?" Yeah, that's the one that I've I've wanted to change. Okay, so how would you do it? Because so what the way the way they did it in the Pro Bowl, which I would change a little bit, is either you give the ball to the yacht, the other team after so after you score or after mm-hmm. you either give the ball to the other team at their own twenty five yard line. Or you take it at, I think they did it their your own twenty five yard line and it's fourth and fifteen. And that's your version of like an onside kick. Yep. I like that except for I don't think you should start at your twenty five. I think they should move that to like the forty. Because really? like when, when well, I mean when you kick an onside kick, when you recover an onside kick as the defending team, you usually get the ball around the fifty, forty five. Right? Okay. Yeah. I get that. Um, I think part of the argument is that you have to get the first down. And so then when you get the first down, you now have it at about the 40. I guess that's true. That's but true. It you does do give you get the... one play at the 25. So, I mean, it, I, yeah, it, it would kind of bounce out because that's my only issue with moving it forward is say you put it at the 40 – they get the first down. They're now at the other forty-five yard line. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. But I would. One of the things I would push for, and I don't know how I would fix it, is the idea of what do you do if there's a penalty, like an unsportsmanlike conduct, that should be enforced on the kickoff. Oh yeah. Because then because you're pushing it to like their. You're starting at their. Yeah, do you do you still make it a fourth down, or does that then impact it to where it's now instead of fourth and fifteen, it's fourth and five, or potentially it gives them an automatic first down? No, I think you could move the ball forward. So maybe that's what they do. They started at the twenty-five or the thirty. I'm not sure. Okay, but then like if you get a nice more than like conduct, 
you just push the starting point 15 yards. You don't, it doesn't affect, it's still fourth and 15. I think, I don't think you can change that. Mm-hmm. I think the only way it becomes shorter than fourth and 15 is offsides or, you know, like a penalty after you start the play. But I don't mm-hmm. think it should be anything short of four, fourth and 15. Because that's kind of the whole point of like, you have one play to make a, a like a play to save th- the game where it's the other team's ball. So like I, I definitely not automatic first down, and I would argue just move the ball, but don't change the downage or the yardage. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, that makes sense. But I I just like the idea of fourth and fifteen. I don't know exactly like. I just yeah, feel like fourth and fifteen is what I think it should be. I, the, the the ball at your own twenty five just seems like at that point, if you don't get it, they're at least kicking a field goal. Yep. So yeah. So and I think that's the idea is there has to be a clear penalty of like if you don't get it, here's a problem, because otherwise, like if you get the ball at the forty, like why would you ever? give them the ball you're always just giving it to yourself and then if you're a good offensive team you're just keeping the ball all game and the other team doesn't touch it yeah so you have to at least have a risk of well we do have to keep in mind this and give them the ball at the 25 or if we get sacked the 20 yeah i mean i guess my thing you you're never going to see that play if it's at the 25 unless it's like at the end of the game and you need the possession, which I guess is the point. Like they don't want people just doing this all the time. Yeah. I don't know. I think that that makes the, that would make the game super exciting. And they make it fun. Yeah. Makes it interesting. Like, cause this is, this is exactly what they did in the, uh, uh, American football, American Alliance of American football. The one that was last year and died before the yeah the A that's the Arena Football League the AAFL yeah or whatever Um, yeah this is what they did and I liked it I thought it was great yeah like the kickoff like I I do get the kickoff is one of the most exciting plays of the game sometimes yeah sometimes it's one of those things where it has such a high ceiling yeah but so often. And especially with how good kickers are getting, it's just out of the back of the end zone. It's just out of the back of the end zone. Yeah. And the argument that like having a player kneel is safer isn't necessarily true because They're not the, the, only player on the, the blockers are still going. Yeah. Like, and that's where most have. of the injuries come from. It's not the returner that's getting injured. Yeah, two players running at each other at full speed. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's, that's my thing is even the boring plays with kickoff that are happening more and more and are so common are Super still putting people at risk and the chance of having a, a kicker turn for a touchdown is so low. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I, I agree. I don't think it's worth keeping, but that's mm-hmm. the, that's the other argument is you're getting rid of the kick return, which is one of the most exciting plays. When you yep. get Deontay Harris taking it back for 100 yards, that's exciting. That's something you want. Yeah. You still get that on the punt to some extent. Like It doesn't happen as often, 
but it still can happen and still can be exciting. But 90% of the time it's going to be boring, but there's way less risk of injury mm-hmm. because it's players running with each other than rather than at each other. Like the real risk of injury on the punt return is when you don't call the fair catch and get lit up. No. Okay. Can you tell me how many kick returns went back for a touchdown in 2019 in the NFL? Four. Seven. Hmm. Okay. And 2018? Was it four? It's five. You just got a little smirk on your face, so I thought. Um, 2017, there was a few more. 2016, there was six. I mean, so basically you're talking about Eliminating six or seven plays. And I mean, there there are those that like get tackled like ten yards before, but yeah, and like so, twenty fifteen, there were two. Wow. Twenty twelve, there were two. Wow. And they were both years. It was by one player. So twenty twelve, uh, Jacoby Jones had two, and twenty fifteen, Cordell Patterson had two. Wow, that's 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 crazy. And so it's this whole idea of like we're we're clinging on to something that's happening in at best every other week. Yeah, especially since they since you can fair catch the kick and automatically get it to the twenty five. Like since yep. then, like there's almost no reason to come out of the end zone unless you see it. Granted, I think that some of, most of the best teams or the, at least the best teams, or best special teams teams, mm-hmm. brought it out of the end zone a lot more than normal because yeah. they think they can get better than 25 on average. They don't think they can run it back all that often, but the chance of being able to run it back, like run it back once all year and then beat the 25-yard average is the only reason you'd bring the ball out. But I feel like that some of the top teams have been bringing the ball out a lot lately. Um, but yeah, that's. I mean, there's a few small like officiating rules, but I don't know what exactly I would want to change and how to change it. Other than I really do think there needs to be a sky judge looking at every play and being yes. like, "Okay, this was egregious. We're not sure how you missed it. We're going to call this on the field." Mm-hmm. I'm really hoping the XFL is successful, especially with the sky judge to the point where the NFL is like, we need that. We need to do that. Like they're yep. like, cause they really do need that. It's getting yep. out of hand to the point of how many different games seem to be ruined by penalties or at yep. least not really ruined. I don't think that's quite fair, but to the point where almost every game, there's some kind of controversy that could have been, easily decided by a sky judge yep and i think part of the problem is is we have the sky judge essentially yeah but the rest don't right you know it's the whole idea that a lot of these calls are hard to call in the first place and if you don't have the right angle you're just not gonna see it yeah but as soon as you see it you um you know, and you're like, oh, how did they? How did they miss that? And it's like yeah. they didn't have that angle. Yeah, you, yeah. The, the, we just so happened to have the perfect angle to see that. That's how we saw it. They weren't able to do that. Mm-hmm. But what I really like about the XFL replays can only take up to a minute, which is what I want. 
if it's and clear and obvious, if you can see it with a minute, okay, yeah, they that's clearly an incomplete pass. At the point where you're deliberating for five plus minutes, it's close enough. Leave it to call on the field. Like sometimes yep. it sucks because yep. you think they got it wrong. But if it's that close, you just got to go with what the ref saw live. Yep. I totally agree. So, um, so I really, I I think the XFL at least on the rules side is set up to be successful. Let's hope they got everything else ready to go, that so that they can last more than a single season or like half a season. Yeah. Like I really want the XFL to be so successful. And I feel like they will be because part of the thing is so the the alliance died because the owner of the alliance sold out on it. Yep. Like it 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 was running out of money, but it wasn't necessarily dead no. until he just decided to kill it because he sold their he sold the league to a company making a tracking app for hockey because what? it was more valuable to do. Yeah. Because I don't know if you ever saw but the Alliance app was super cool. It tracked the players in real time. Oh no, I didn't ever watch that. Um, so it was a super cool thing, but then, um, what happened was that's super valuable for like hockey and other sports. Right. And so there was a, another company that just walked in and said, all right, this is ours. And, nice. and the owner sold it and that's what killed it. It could have made it to the end of the season. They were almost done. Right. But that's... because he did that, cut yeah, it. that was the thing that was just so shitty is like, they were getting pretty close to their playoffs. Mm-hmm. Like I think they were actually like a couple weeks out of the playoffs. Yeah, I mean and it was they get a call like, season. Yeah, and then they get a call like mid season or like midweek. Hey, we're done. Pack up. Yep. It's crazy. So yeah. I do expect the XFL to be more successful. I think the marketing they did beforehand has been successful. I think they have gotten people like Pat McAfee and Colin Coward who were kind of hyping the XFL steadily mm-hmm. on their respective shows um and like having oh shoot what's is it oliver luck i think it's oliver luck andrew luck's dad who's the commissioner of the league oh um, yeah i think so he's been on both of their shows recently and kind of mm-hmm. touted why they think the xfl is going to work but i mean the big question is the talent like can the talent produce enjoyable content Yep. That's it. Like they've set up, they've done everything they can, I think, at this point to be successful. They just need the players to show up and play mm-hmm. an entertaining game. It doesn't have to be to the level NFL. I just want something that when the NFL is gone, I have something to watch other than hockey because, I mean, I, I have been watching a decent amount of hockey recently and I'll probably turn mm-hmm. on the Sharks game once we get done here. But yeah, um, I do want something else to watch. So hopefully it is successful. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I mean, agree. And I mean, maybe if it's super successful and we really like it, we will be back to talk about the XFL. But yeah, we'll see. Um, if not, this is probably our last podcast for a decent bit. Um, yeah, I we probably, might do a draft one. I was gonna say I want to do one for the draft um, because you can give point of view from the yeah the college point of view, and I can look at it from the NFL point of view and. It'll just be and fun. I'd say probably more of a reaction to the draft than a preview to the draft because I feel like with the preview, I don't 
I don't know. There's just so much stuff that's weird with it. But I feel like after there'll be a lot more where I'm like, wait a minute, this player went so early or this player went so late. But before I'll be like, I don't know. They're saying he could be like second or third round. Yeah. Like me and you are not qualified to rank prospective players. Mm -hmm. Like you can tell me X and X is good or I think he's good at this. But to be like, oh, he's a second round talent. Okay, sure. Why? Yeah, it's yeah. just not to the level that I'm at right now. To the point where I feel comfortable saying. And the the real honest truth is, until you start watching tape on these players, you never will. And mm-hmm. I'm not the kind of person who's going to sit around watching tape on college players to see how they're going to do in the draft. It's yeah. just not something I want to do in my free time. Too much of that, yeah. Um, but yeah, hopefully you enjoyed this podcast, and then. Maybe we'll see you in April. Um, If not, see you next year. Thanks for listening. Peace. Peace.